Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I am your husband and GM, Zach. I am your wife and player, Diana. And this is episode four of The Fall of Magic. How are you doing, my darling? I'm okay. I am preemptively heartbroken because <laughs> of this Korean drama that I started watching. Oh, I see. Um, two days ago, and it has 20 episodes, and I'm almost done. Like, I have a problem. I know mm-hmm. that I do. But it's called The Korean Odyssey. It's on Netflix. And the ending was spoiled for me. And the ending is not what I want the ending to be. And I'm two episodes away from the series ending. I'm at a crossroads. Do I watch the last two episodes and be heartbroken the way that I know I'm going to be heartbroken? Mm -hmm. Or do I not and avoid that and just avoid it completely? Do I just avoid the ending? Just pretend it doesn't end. It just just goes on forever. Because where I am right now is an okay moment. It's not the best, but it's an okay moment. It's a sort of happy ending, kind of. Uh, well, it's it's the happiness before everything goes to shit, you know? Mm-hmm. I have to decide if I keep going or not. And this would not be the first series I've dropped off because I know it ends poorly. Like, I know it's going to end <laughs> bad, so I just stop now and don't worry about it. Okay. Um, this would not be the first time I've done this, but it would be the first time I've done it for a Korean drama. So if any of you have watched the Korean Odyssey on Netflix... And have an argument for why I should watch the next, the last two episodes. Go ahead and and give it to me. There's a really strong chance I won't watch it because I know how it ends. So the start of Heart Points is just going to become Diana's <laughs> K drama check in, right? <laughs> until is, I is until that? I start work again and start complaining about five year olds biting me all over again. It's just going to be, it's going to be. K-pop, which is a podcast that I talked about doing with Zach B. Mm-hmm. That's on the burner. Look out for that, never. Yeah. Or maybe. <laughs> if you want to hear <laughs> Diana talk about K-pop, in which I uh, support her talking about K-pop, you can become a 1D6 <laughs> level patron of the Heart Points Patreon and listen to our campfire <laughs> episodes where I give her the K-pop corner and just let her go off. You know what we should start doing in those? Mm. We should start inviting Zach B over, and then he and I can have semi-attempted intellectual conversations about K-pop and the, like, systemic reasons that it exists and all of the reasons that it exists the way that it is. Yo, Zach B and I could go on forever about this. So interesting. The fact that you two have started a recursive loop where you are supporting each other's K-pop and K-drama addiction is... The worst thing that has happened nope. to me. It's amazing. It's so great. I have someone who supports me. Yay. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> Hashtag once. In case you didn't know. Oh, my once God. Once is the fan name for people who followed the band twice. Mm-hmm. Hashtag once. Mm-hmm. We can move on. <laughs> Sadly, I did know this. <laughs> I myself am a blink. But so, that's neither here nor there. We have been playing Fall of Magic. <laughs> we have been playing Fall of Magic. It is a sad, sad game with sad, sad things. Uh, it yeah, a little really bit get, more K-pop. I'm really in the mood now for this for this very heartbreaking story. Um, I play Fawn, a giant of Mistwood. My mother was almost murdered by stones. And the former Magus saved her. And now I feel entitled to the current Magus. Indebted. Indebted. I don't feel entitled. I feel indebted to the current Magus, who is a small boy. And I have discovered some things on this journey to find out, to find the place where magic was born. 
I am playing Vago, the Raven of Ravenhall. He was um, a young orphan who was picked up by the professors at Ravenhall and trained in magic and ended up becoming a, a, a courier within Ravenhall using his magic cloak that allows him to turn into a raven. Um, it's been on the fritz a little bit. And when we last left off, both Fawn and Vago had asked a very personal question of a... Pole crone. Yeah, of a d- diviner, would you call that? Um, a cr- I mean, I think she's adequately she's named. A, she's a crone. She's a crone. Do you remember what your exact question was? I wanted to know if... I don't remember the exact question, but what oh, I was trying to ask was... You had found a scroll basically saying that the giants were... Th- that was describing giants as pack animals for the use of... Was me- describing the first giant yes. as a pack animal for the first like, wizard. Yeah. And you asked if it was true, and the crone assured you that it was not, that it was essentially propaganda from frightened men in power, which you will not believe. I don't believe according it, to the, the According to the prompt... And Vago asked if he would have been a good Magus, to which he is met with silence. Yep. Have we brought our energy down enough? I think so. To play I this, think so. To play this, this very sad, fun, very good game? I think so. This is Fall of Magic. Vago runs away from the pool crone. Vago joins Fawn and the Magus as we are all making our way out of Great Water. And we start making our way to the Gate of Umbra. And this, we know, is our last part of our under-mountain journey. We know that this is the last thing that we have to get through before we can make it out and can I ask, do Fawn and Vago know that, or is that something that the Magus knows? That this is the end? Yeah, like before we get, I imagine once we get to this huge gate, like we're like, oh, that probably leads to the outside, right? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think Fawn does. Not until they, I mean, once they see the gate, I think mm. that'll become clear. As the party reaches the gate, though, the Magus sort of stops in place and stares in horror at the gate. There are runes that have been carved around the gate and some of the ones on the bottom have been smashed. Oh, interesting. And the Magus makes it clear that we can't use the gate if those runes are smashed. Uh, What do we do? We can't turn back. It took us two days to cross the Sea of Salt. Yeah, uh, what what do we do? I need to think. And I think the Magus just kind of stops and starts thinking. I am imagining mm-hmm. the scene from Lord of the Rings before they enter the mountain, where they're all kind of just standing around, but Gandalf is, like, looking and trying some stuff. Like, he's the only one who's, like, okay. getting... That's kind of what I'm picturing. All right. So I'm picturing, like, Fawn kind of sets up camp, sort of. Like, we're we're going to be here for a minute, so I'm going to relax. While the Magus figures out what we need to do. Vago is panicking. (laughs) 
like legit is panicking yeah. watch, is just like is not helping set up camp is just watching the magus like inspect these runes and kind of like look over things and i think uh, uh, vaga like keeps going over to the magus and like peering over the little magus's shoulder and being like like just watching i'm gonna go to the starry coast as we are standing here and fawn is making camp is the gate as it appears here on the map appears to be huge like towering yes maybe giant size i would say giant size so we're we're prepping in front of this this huge giant gate and the magus has been inspecting it and vago begins to hear this hush this um rhythmic rush rustling this rhythmic rustling um coming from off in the darkness and i think he goes to like a pack and like by where fawn is setting up and he retrieves a torch and he starts going off into the dark underground and he lights this torch and he he starts going in and this sound starts getting louder until uh he gets to a what appears to be an underground coastline there's this this long stretch of beach um beneath a huge cavern the size of the sky and this ocean of black pitch is not literal pitch but water the color of pitch is crashing gently against the shore i think vago stands there looking out over the coast with his torch for a few moments before he buries it in the sand and just kind of extinguishes it and when he does the entire cavern is the ceiling of the cavern gets lit up with these small crystals like stars and they glitter off of the coast and this rhythmic rush of water kind of envelops vago vago was brought to raven hall um the same way many young children are brought to raven hall um because they are poor and disenfranchised and raven hall is always in need of people for various purposes i think that it is here that vago vows never to go back to ravenhall no matter what happens at umbra vago's not going to go back because he thought that he knew a lot about the world he thought that ravenhall took him in and cared for him and taught him and educated him and this trip has taught him that he knows so very little. As the Magus is kind of looking at these runes and staring intently and very clearly thinking very hard how about how to solve this problem, Fawn kind of goes a wandering, not too far, but a little. And she comes not very far from the gate. She comes to what essentially looks like a sculpture garden. 
but it is these rocks, or I guess more accurately, these boulders lined up one directly behind the other, starting from very small, leading to very, very large. And when you stand behind the very small one and you look down the line, you see that it leads straight to the gate. Fawn sits on the smallest one and begins to gather up some of the stones near her and starts kind of arranging them, like the little pebbles, I guess, less Mm -hmm. stones, more pebbles, um, and starts arranging them in very specific patterns. And what she's doing is she's creating a... It's kind of like a permanent ritual that will always stay there until someone disrupts the the stones. Mm -hmm. But what she's doing is she's saying goodbye to this part of the journey. She knows that something big is about to happen, and this is the end of this particular part of the journey. And so at times when, like at big transition points in your life or in large journeys that you're taking, Mm -hmm. this is part of giant culture is to do some sort of ritual and use these runes, these specific ways of putting the stones Mm -hmm. in a pattern to kind of, they're not expected to do anything. It's just kind of like good luck to help you on the next part of your journey and to say thank you to the part of the journey that brought you to this point. So in giant culture, like you can equate it to like, you would do it at like sweet 16s and graduation parties and you would do it right before you go on a big road trip and um, stuff like this. So she's been going on this journey and they are at the gates of, um, they are at the gate of Umbra. This is both the end and the start of this journey. And so she's, taking these pebbles and she's putting them into specific rune shapes. No, I keep saying runes, but patterns um, and making specific images with these. And when she's done, she puts a hand to her forehead, puts the palm of her left hand to her forehead, and then takes that palm and presses it into each image. And then she walks back to the Magus. And so these this ritual is now the smallest set of stones. It's kind of replaced the smaller, the small boulder. You see these first before you see the rest of the stones. And then she walks back over to the Magus. Can I ask a question about your scene? Yeah. These, this long line of stones, this caravan, mm-hmm. does it feel like a natural stone formation? Or does it feel like perhaps this was something that someone might have done perhaps as a beginning and perhaps as a transitionary ritual. Mm. I don't think when you first come upon it that you notice kind of the oddity of them. But I think when Fawn was doing her own goodbye, hello ritual, she recognized what these boulders were and these boulders are exactly that ritual i like the idea of like as fawn is like walking away from her own like the camera zooms out and sees fawns as like fawns ritual as a part of this larger ritual um and maybe there's something about it that lets us recognize that it's intentional and that Mm -hmm. it is part of this ritual yeah instead of moving on i'm going to go to celebration fires i think Fawn gets back to the camp area first, and Vago gets back shortly after. 
and the magus is is still just like staring at the bottom where these uh runes have been destroyed or or desecrated or whatever and um i think vago kind of has like a little bit of like a, a drained look on his face as he comes up to the campfire and he looks to fawn and he says um he's still trying to figure it out i think so how are you i am ready for whatever comes next how about you uh, I think Vago just nods. How do we prepare for the end? I think we eat more. I think Fawn eats more. I think... Like, more yeah. than we normally would have. I think Vago goes over to the Magus, and we see the Magus, he's... He looks like he's on the verge of tears. He is, like, um... He's panicking, because uh, he can't figure out what happened. He, he wasn't expecting this. And Vago comes up to the magus and puts his hand on the child's shoulders and fawn has like started like setting up basically this feast gonna eat the rest of last of our rations gonna just kind of go hard eat well with these fan you bought those fancy fruits right yeah um i think vago leans down to the magus and says come on let's take a break and leads the magus over and we sit down in this darkness in the shadow of the gate and we eat and I think um, the three of us talk, we laugh a little, and we don't think about moving forward or going back. We just kind of take some time to eat as much as we want. Is there anything that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I think oh, maybe Fawn's telling jokes. Like, I think this is just a, a moment, a breath of levity before it all gets really serious. And we can kind of feel it's sort of like i don't know we can see the oppression up ahead right so this is a break in the storm that's that's exactly what it is you can see the storm coming we can't avoid it though so we're just taking this moment to laugh and then we're gonna see what happens i don't really have another scene that i want to do but then that i don't know if i want to be the magus either if you want one thing that we haven't been doing is skipping not passing, but if you wanted to set the scene, is it that you don't want to be the Magus or you don't want to set the scene? I don't really want to move us on to the next one. If you want to pass, if you do not want to take a scene, but you also don't want to do the next tra- uh, movement scene, I can take it. It doesn't. I don't think it It doesn't really matter. I can do one more. We've eaten through the fancy fruit. And Vago and the Magus are still eating and seeming to enjoy themselves. And Fawn gets up to get more stuff, getting more of something, food probably. And Fawn comes up. She kind of left the extra supplies on the trail that leads to the rocks where she had done her ritual. Okay. And so she's heading back there, not all the way back there, but a little bit back there. And she is kind of hit with this daydream. It kind of, this image just sort of pops into her head, or rather not an image, but a thought that she won't see her mom again. It's not that she, her mom will live and she's not sure if she'll live, but this version, she knows that this version of Fawn is never going to live again. I guess it's kind of like a premonition. But it's not really a premonition. It's just like a gut feeling that's sort of happening to her right now. And she knows that something 
big is going to happen. That's why she did the ritual before. That's why this is happening. But she doesn't know what, she doesn't know how, and she doesn't know what to do with this. And so her good mood that was sort of kind of there because of the jokes and the food and the company is gone now. And there's this weight on Fawn. But since she doesn't know what any of it means, and she knows that this is both the end of a journey and the beginning of a journey, she doesn't want to mess up how anybody else is going to go into it. So she keeps this premonition daydream thought to herself, grabs her refreshments, whatever she was getting, and then comes back and joins the the party. But her mood is drastically different. She left with a smile and she's coming back. And it looks like she had cried. She didn't, but she looks like she did. Um, I think Vago, I think, looks up and makes eye contact with Fawn. And I think he just kind of like mouths, like I don't think he even says out loud, he's just kind of like mouths, you good? And she nods her head. Uh, he nods and he turns back and he keeps kind of, I think, distracting the Magus. Not distracting the Magus, but entertaining the Magus. Yeah. I think that Fawn returns and sits down. This gate is broken. I figured out a solution. Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> no, I no, I've had a solution the entire time. The, oh, why didn't you? Oh, okay. But I didn't know how it, you know. I mean, the runes could be something that you have to read. And he figured out what that first starter or the last rune was so mm. you could, so he can read it or it could have been like a warning and he realizes now what it was trying to say so he doesn't need to pay attention to it and can just open the door. Or you can kind of hobble them back together enough for it to open a little. Yeah. That all feels a little anticlimactic to me, personally. Okay. I don't think we ever get the gate open. I think that Fawn comes back and sits down and talks about... Or would you tell us about the caravan? I would not. Okay. Then... Uh, well, I think if I see the Magus continuing to struggle, I might bring it up. Because it clearly leads to the gate or away from the gate. Okay. So. I think that Vago ends up talking about the coastline and the Magus lights up and asks to see it. Um, And so Vago takes him there. And on the coastline, the Magus finds this very narrow cave that leads into the uh leads into the 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 wall of the of the caverns and has us basically i think leave everything and go through it mm-hmm. and i think we all all three of us kind of squeeze in even for vago it's pretty tight so for fawn it's like very cramped you're like worried you're going to get stuck as we squeeze our way through this very tight crevasse until we emerge out into this road and we find ourselves on the other side of the gate, uh, this massive, huge stone gate, um, and in the distance, light from the outside. And as we make our way out and we come to the mouth of that cave, we find ourselves at the entrance of a massive city. And it's a ghost city. There is, there's no one about but these old towers and buildings uh, that are still 
almost pristine, but there is something off about them. Uh, They feel warped in some way. They feel like the proportions aren't quite right, or when you look at them, they seem to bend in the light in an unusual way. And the Magus starts leading us towards it. Uh, And I think Vago asks if this is really the right way, and the Magus just nods. And we enter into this city where there is no one and there is nothing but these empty cities and the sounds of our footsteps. As the group is walking through the town, uh, the city, we come to a statue of a very large horse. And there is a sort of like name plaque with a little bit of a description of what this horse is and what the statue is supposed to be. And it is, and as we're reading it, as Fawn is reading it, it is a memorial to the great steed of the first magician. And it talks about how this great steed was a great help to the magician and was the reason that this magician survived the great steed came to the magician and helped the magician and guided the magician when the magician had to fight for the good of the land the steed not only rode the magician to victory but gave its life so that the magician didn't lose his and this steed is huge, massive, way bigger than any steed should be. And it also has this same first name as the first giant. So this steed is called like the great Gwen, I guess. Okay. Um, and the first giant's name was, I don't know, Gwendolyn. I'm bad at names. That's, no, um, that's great. And so Fawn is... Furious, like unbelievably angry because this steed is the first giant and how dare they make her a steed. I think the Magus has stopped as Fawn. Re- do you mind if I take over the Magus? No, do you please, want, no, do you want no, to have a scene with the Magus? No, please do. Uh, I think the Magus has stopped as Fawn has read this and he looks over at Fawn and he says, is everything okay, Fawn? Everything is fine, young Magus. Um, I think he looks at the great Gwen, or Gwen, I'm sorry. He looks at the great Gwen, and he says, she's beautiful, isn't she? This is a wonderful piece of art. He goes, uh... She turns her back to the statue. She's not looking at it anymore. And he says, it is. Um, I think he says, it's a shame that art only ends up looking like how its creators see. It's limited by what the people who make it understand. She just walks away. I think she looks at him, like she Mm -hmm. acknowledges it, and then she walks away. I think Vago gives a very confused look to the Magus, and then the Magus looks back at the great Gwen and starts walking, and then Vago follows. I'm gonna risk, I wanna go to the Academy of the Sightless. We pass by this huge, beautiful library And as we approach the steps, as we go to walk past the steps, the Magus turns to us and goes, just a minute, I have to go in here to retrieve something. And uh, I think Fago is 
feeling very on edge about all of this, but follows the Magus inside. Uh, does Fawn come t- as well? Yeah. I think we enter inside and the Magus is like looking through this library and looking at all the things in here. And Vago is watching this small child sift through all these magic ele- uh, all these magic artifacts and, and tomes in this ghost city and is thinking about how small that the Magus is and how how helpless this child is mm-hmm. and yet how much power is and wisdom is packed within the Magus. I'm going to roll a die. That is what I wanted. <laughs> and he's watching the, the little Magus, and he has this very conflicting feeling of wanting to protect the Magus and being glad to help the Magus on this quest. The Magus chose him, chose Vago, but Vago doesn't actually know if the Magus could have, if it would have made any difference to the Magus, mm-hmm. right? Um, He hasn't saved the Magus from any danger. He hasn't solved any problems for the Magus. He's just kind of been a voice with the Magus. He's just kind of been a a companion. Right. And the Magus uh, is flipping through this book and sees a, like, finds something and lights up and runs into one of the aisles. And after a few seconds, comes back with this folded up bundle and he hands it to Vago. And Vago unties the 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 parchment wrapping it and inside is this beautiful silvery white cloak and the magus says this is for you i think i'll leave it there i think i'm also going to have a scene at the academy okay vago has his new cloak i don't know if he's showing fawn or not but this scene is happening after that um we're kind of walking through the academy and there are so many different rooms near us and to the side of us as we're kind of making our way through. And I imagine Fawn walks up next to the Magus. And I think the Magus has us stop in one of the rooms. I think he's curious about the room. It doesn't seem like he's looking for anything particular. He just kind of wants wants to see what's in this room. And Fawn has been very distracted this whole walk and um since she saw the great gwen and has kind of just been ruminating in her own head like why why was i sent on this journey was it actually to help the magus was it to discover about gwendolyn was it to learn that wizards i think i've been switching between wizards and magicians but that magic users hate giants like what what have i been what what's the purpose of me going through this and I think at that moment, the Magus turns to Fawn. <laughs> I thought I had something that doesn't really work. Um, go, go for it. This, it, it. What you got is just a prompt. I know. It, you can interpret it however you want. I know, but what I had in mind for that doesn't work for the scene that I myself set up. Mm. The Magus turns to Fawn, and at this moment, Fawn realizes what room it is that we walked into. And the room that we walked into was is the a library but all of the books are specifically about this land like specifically about this land's history about this land itself so there's like geology books there's 
herbology books, there's history books, there's myth mythological books. Like it's all about specifically this land. And the Magus turns, looks at Fawn and goes, this is wonderful. There is nothing in this city and it is towards the end of our journey, but curiosity and knowledge still exist in this place. And there is still so much to discover. And that is exciting to me. And I think he walks away from her. And she's in this room looking around and she turns and she walks out. Do the Magus's words mean anything to her? Yes. Okay. Are you say are you saving that for something? Maybe. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what comes next. Yeah. The three of them make their way out of the academy and out of the city. And as they make their way uh, across, out of, I think there's like, I think the city's walled, and they make their way down this road, and then they find themselves overlooking a valley where there is this soft glow like a rising sun, all pinks and yellows and oranges uh, burning gently in this valley. I think Vago says, I think Vago goes, is that, and the Mega says, the glow, and they start walking. Vago still has this bundle in his hands, and Fawn has all this, all these thoughts in her head and on her shoulders as we make our way towards the glow. I think as we get closer, the Magus turns to us and says, I think, and I think there's like this rumbling almost, this, this white noise, this deep baritone kind of rumbling from the glow. And I think the Magus turns and almost shouts to us, it's not fair, is it? Uh, and I think when he turns to us, we see for the first time how sickly he looks, how robbed of energy he is. And we don't know if he had a glamour cast over him or if there was something hidden or if we just didn't notice it. But for the first time, he looks ill. Um, and I think he repeats it. He goes, it's just not fair. What's not fair? Any of it. And I think Vago says, no, it's it's not fair, but it's it's all right. And I think the Magus starts walking towards the glow. And I think Vago shouts at him to stop and the magus says it's not fair what they did to the giants and it's not fair what they did to your family vago and it's not fair what they did to me it's not fair that everything's going away and it's not fair how it was divided before it went away none of it is fair and i think that's where i want to end that as the magus is sort of shouting this at us fawn has kind of been following behind him sort of blindly as he's walking. But when he stops talking, she stops walking because she notices other voices. That grumbling has kind of, that like white noise grumbling has sort of cleared itself up into specific voices talking specifically to Fawn. And Fawn listens to the voices and she looks 
at the glow and it's kind of putting her into a trance and she starts to see scenes in the glow. She sees herself, but bigger, massive, walking alone across the earth. And then she sees another scene of, again, it's herself, but massive, like to a scale that she has never been um, with this small, very small person laughing. And then she sees herself dying as this massive giant. And then she sees other scenes of giants living, laughing, and dying. And they keep getting smaller as there keep being more of them in these scenes until the last scene is Fawn in the library. But instead of in being in there with the MAGA, she's in there with books open in front of her. And she looks up, the font, the glow fawn looks up, meets the eyes of reality fawn, and has a small smirk on her face when the voices start to die and the vision starts to go away. Can I play them? Yeah. If you want to end the scene there, let's end the scene there. No, go for it. I think as the voices die and the visions go away, they're replaced with the young Magus again. And he says, um, I'm going to give it back, Fawn. I wanted you to come so that I could give it back to you. I don't know if you should. I think he smiles a little bit and, um, and looks down at his feet. And he looks up and he says, I do. I think Fawn starts to cry. So you have to change something about your character. I don't. At at any, all of these locations. So you have to change either your name or your title, or if you have an adjective, you can change that. I do not. I think I am no longer Fawn Giant of Mistwood. I think I am just Fawn the Giant. Okay. I think that's what I am. And, uh, all right, I'm going to go to touching. I think Vago... I think Fawn and, and the Magus have had this exchange. And Vago, uh, I think, starts running forward to grab the Magus as he's going into the glow. And I think he, he grabs the Magus's hand. And I think he says, uh, you can't go. So I think, do you want to play the Magus? I can try. I don't know <laughs> if it'll ruin your scene. No, no, no. Um, I think he grabs the Magus's hands and he goes, you can't go. You know I have to. I think Vago says, you don't have to be what they told you to be. You don't have to give up because they told you that you were the Magus. I don't have to be what they told me to be, but I do have to be what I am. And I think as, uh, I think Vago is is reaching out, grasping the Magus's hand. And as he's doing that, his, um, as they are, cast in the light of the glow his black raven's cloak is burning up it's burning up in the light and it's disintegrating and that the white cloak in his other hand wraps around him and spreads these huge beautiful white wings like an albatross um just massive enormous white wings and I think I'm going to change my name to or rather my title 
to Vago the Herald. And I have these huge wings of this massive white cloak that will never fail me and can carry me further than the cloak of Ravenhall ever could have. And I think I feel this freedom as the Magus's tiny hand slips out of mine. I think the Magus says, go, it's time for you to be who you are. And the Magus turns and walks into the glow. One more thing, before before he walks away, he turns to both of us Mm -hmm. and he says, it's time for you both to be who you are meant to be. And then he walks into the glow. I think this was one of our happier Fall of Magic games. I think it was depressing the entire way through. I think it had an okay ending, though. I think I think it had a very good ending. I, I am very interested in how in in where Fawn goes from here. I like just want to keep narrating scenes, but I'm also very I like I like leaving it there. Yeah. But like, there's so much more that I want to explore. I have an idea of where I think she goes and what I think she tries to do with her life. But where do you think she goes? I think she goes back to that library. I think she's going to find out the, the true story of the first giant. And I think she is going to free her giant people. That's what I hope for anyway. Yeah. Maybe she dies. I, no, well, no, I was imagining that the Magus was giving, like, the power of mountains back to the, to the giants. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, and with that authority, the giants will be able to... Become giants again. Or, or just find, a, like, the giants always had a connection to magic right Mm. so something happened that severed it in some way or like that they didn't have control of it in some way that's i yep i have theories for (laughs) this story that i told myself i'm anyway listen we could sit here we could talk about this all day long but that this was fall of magic this was fall of magic not only do you tell beautiful stories with this game the game itself is gorgeous Mm -hmm. and um, you guys should all own it. Yes, this is a beautiful game. I have it on PDF, and I've been meaning to print it out on some like transfer paper and put it on a cloth so that we have a physical copy, like Zach B's beautiful, beautiful physical copy that I was lucky enough to play on today. Um, but yeah, that is Fall of Magic. That is a... I love that game. It, I love this game so much. Every time I play that game, it ends both beautiful and sad. And it really is a very... Like, I know I keep saying it, and it's a terrible, terrible tagline, but sad is happy for I, people, <laughs> and this game fits that, I feel like. It's beautiful and sad and beautiful. It's a beautiful game. And I have yet to tell this tell a story in this game that doesn't end really sad, but also, like, happy. Like, a, not They're happy, but, like, beautiful. Yeah. They're bittersweet yeah. endings, yeah. yeah. Thank you for joining us this week. Um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to this sad, sad conclusion to this sad, sad game. It was not that sad. A small child died, but magic was returned back to... We don't know that. It was. We don't know that magic we, was returned. We do. We just know that this small, small child who had been burdened his entire life with being this great thing that he knew he had to die for, died. That's all we know that happened. Uh, no. That's where the story... Le- you you can assume what you would like, but you can't say for certain for the story ended. <laughs> Which is the reason I will not watch this, the end of this Korean show because it ended poorly. And I can't... I can only assume stuff. I can't know it for certain. 
Anyway, this was Fall of Magic. Uh, Fall of Magic is designed by Ross Cowman and produced by Heart of the Deernicorn. If you'd like to purchase any of the games available from Heart of the Deernicorn while supporting us, you can check out our affiliate link in the episode description. We want to send a very, very, very needed and special thank you to Zach B., our editor and producer. Our dog is in here snoring away, and if you can't hear her snoring, you can thank Zach B., because she's such a loud snorer. She's part pug and has, like, no breathing cap- cap- capabilities. Wow. She's part pug and has no breathing cap. <laughs> I can't say that word. She is part pug, and so she snores like an MFer. So if you don't hear it, thank you, Zach B. We also want to thank In Love with the Ghost for the use of their song Chilling at Nemu's Place off of the album Healing. You can find In Love with the Ghost at inlovewiththeghost.bandcamp.com. Please make sure that you find us and rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. That's how other people discover us, and it's how you show us directly in a very cost-effective, easy, quick way that you like us. So please, please, please find us. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HeartPointsPod. Please follow us and join us for discussion about RPGs and podcasts, and make sure to share us with everyone you know, especially your RPG-loving friends. Thank you to all of our patrons for allowing us to keep this show going. If you would like to become a patron of this show, find us at patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. You can directly support the show and help us maintain and better it every single week. You're also going to get some really awesome things like access to our patron-only Discord, a monthly campfire pod, and some other things that we've kind of been chit-chatting about. Yeah, if you want to hear Diana rant about uh, K-dramas unrestricted, uh, you can join the 1D6 patron level and get our uh, our campfire pod. I also, a few weeks ago, sent 1D8 patrons a copy of my new game in development, Hungry Knolls, in which you play Hungry Knolls. Uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> this week, we want to give a very special thank you to all of our patrons for their support. With your help, we are able to continue making Heart Points an even better podcast, and we could not do it without you. Your support and patronage has made a huge difference in our lives, and we want to thank you again. Thank you all so much for joining us on our adventure today. We hope that as you return to the real world, that you continue to have a very nice day. But like, a very, very nice one. (laughs) 